Hey, this is Sandy. And Randy. And we're here on AT Corner. Being an athletic trainer comes with ups and downs, and we're here to showcase it all. Join us as we share our world in sports medicine. Welcome back to another episode of AT Corner. This is our fourth episode, and we have a great one for you guys today. We are hosting our first guest on for an interview. She's a very dear friend of ours and the show. Who do we have today, babe? My very first preceptor, Haley. For those of you who don't know what a preceptor is, it's a certified athletic trainer that oversees athletic training students at their clinical rotations. So my first internship is really unique because that first week where I was done with my summer classes and we were ready to go into our internship, the football team was traveling to Hawaii. That's exciting. So I got to go with them, which was super fun, also super intimidating. And we talk a little bit more about that later in the interview because it actually relates a little bit to aquatic therapy with the ocean. So even though my first internship was a few years ago, Haley and I are still very close and we're very excited to have her on the show. So without further ado, here's Haley. So just a little brief background. She's been certified since 2011 and she's starting her eighth year of working in the high school setting. And prior to that, she graduated from Oregon State and San Jose State. Did you do athletic training kinesiology, Haley? They were kinesiology at San Jose and exercise sports science at Oregon State, both with specific athletic training options. Ooh. Nice. Don't worry, Haley. I won't give you a hard time about the whole Oregon State thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have a Oregon duck sitting on our desk right now, so. Uh, <laughs> Well, I might be sipping out of an Oregon State mug right now. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that counter- counterbalances. Uh-huh. So let's start by getting to know Haley a little bit better. Um, I like to call these icebreakers, but what did we change it to, Randy? We switched it to cryobreakers because, you know, we want oh. athletic training thing. So like cryotherapy, cryobreakers. So first question, what made you become an athletic trainer? Yeah, a lot of people have similar stories about uh, being an athlete themselves and whatnot, but mine really was triggered by my high school anatomy class and my teacher who kind of saw a skill in me and introduced me to the career idea, but I didn't really understand it until later, and my teacher didn't fully understand the career either because we didn't have an athletic trainer at our high school at the time. There is now. I just found that out last FWADA meeting. So that was cool. Nice. But I wanted to know more about it beyond just a vague Google search that I did uh, when I was young. And I, I found a sports medicine professor who then connected me to an athletic trainer. And I shadowed that athletic trainer at a soccer game in San Diego. And then I kind of sat as a fly on the wall in her athletic training room for a few days. I started to realize I was intrigued by the balancing act of all the tasks. You get to be a juggler and the variety that the job presented. Then I went and took a tour at Oregon State University and learned a little bit about their program there. And within my first year, shadowed an athletic trainer for a week. That was kind of what new students did to make sure that you knew what you were getting into. And that's when I knew I was up for the challenge. So it was kind of a process for me because I didn't fully understand the career. And many people don't until you dive into it. Yeah, that's a really cool. I don't think I've ever heard that story. You kind of chased your way into the profession and followed Mm -hmm. it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting, too. Um, 
coming from California, what made you, what made you pick uh, Oregon? So my mom and I did a spring trip tour, if you will, from Southern California all the way up to Washington. And we visited like 10, 12 colleges when I was a junior in high school. And the sometimes we would organize and make a actual tour and sometimes we just did our own but our our thing was we had to feel like we could be there for Mm -hmm. four years you could live there that you could make friends that you could learn that you could keep yourself entertained so we literally just walked around every campus we kind of pretended we were part of the campus we you know ate there we sat in on classrooms it was uh interesting so Oregon State and Corvallis had everything that I wanted. Um, even though I was I was young, I didn't fully know what I wanted. But I felt so comfortable there that I could just walk around and leave my doors unlocked. You know, I just mm-hmm. felt safe and comfortable. And I loved everything brick about campus. So, it is a beautiful campus. It is a gorgeous campus, yeah. So now that you've been in the profession for quite a few years... What is your athletic training spirit animal? We haven't asked this before, so we kind of want to explain it to our listeners. Okay. Um, this is any modality, rehab tool, tape braces, any tool of the trade that you feel represents you and your practice. Yeah, it's an interesting thing to consider. And we have so many good tools, but sometimes I just love the good old foam roller. Uh, we learn a little bit about it for myofascial release, but I, I also use it a lot for posture work. Um, my student athletes have horrible posture. So anytime they come in with, oh, I don't feel like I can breathe today. My shoulders are tight. My neck's tight. I'm like, hey, let's do a little posture work. And two minutes on the foam roller against a wall or on the floor, and it makes a difference. Many of my runners uh, as well, well, this leg's tight in the back and this leg's tight in the front. And how do I fix this? And I give them some good uh, tips and tricks on the foam roller and they get a little bit of an ab workout at the same time. So it's a win-win. I like that, how you use the foam roller, just like a little quick interaction and it usually ends up um, pretty positive. Yeah, and they they can a lot of times come in and just say, hey, can I use a foam roller real quick for a few minutes? And it's something independently they can do, and they take that with them wherever they go for their own life lesson and life use. I like how you added that twist to it, because as a high school athletic trainer, you're usually one of the first athletic trainers that these student athletes are, are exposed to. Exposed to, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of uh, student athletes who come back and say, thanks for this tip and trick. I still use it, whether they're in sports or not. It's it's really cool. And I was gonna say, that's got to be one of the probably the most rewarding parts of the job is when you have your students come back and say stuff like that. It's definitely something that keeps you in it. Awesome. So Haley has a lot of experience with aquatic therapy. So we were super excited to bring her on to talk about aquatic therapy. Um, And of course, with our AT Corner goal is to bring evidence and experience together. So why don't we kick it off with a story about aquatic therapy, Haley? All right. Well, I have used it a lot throughout my years from undergrad and, and on. 
one that really sticks out to me uh, as entertaining, even before I knew exactly what aquatic (laughs) therapy was used for. I did an internship and I'm a big advocate for internship. Just go and, Mm -hmm. and be a sponge. But I was with a a baseball team that really utilizes their sports medicine team and works well together. And the strength coach is constantly working with you and your athletes. And the pitchers, starting and uh, relieving pitchers, have different routines. Some are with us, some are with them. But my favorite was learning about how they used aquatic therapy and they had a you know a shallow pool that all the pitchers were in and they were squatting in because they're all different heights and they're doing their arm workouts and I'm enjoying the 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 fun if you will while they work out <laughs> but if you look up and to the left the strength coach is up there directing them as a lifeguard he's in uh, red shorts and has sunscreen on his nose and we're indoors but he has sunglasses he borrowed the little lifesaver from who knows where he got it and he's directing their exercises as a play on a lifeguard (laughs) and that's kind of what intrigued me with it we're not just having fun we're working out over here because I was giggling at him (laughs) Then it becomes a conversation. So what does the pool do that is different than bands? Because I was young and and Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily know the difference. So the strength coach and athletic trainers there uh, were able to to teach me about that tool and the constant resistance and the uh, hydrostatic pressure that the water gives your body not only your muscles, but your vessels, lymphatic vessels, which are passive and, and all of that. So it was really interesting. And then my undergrad, Oregon State, they renovated one of their athletic training rooms and we got a small pool, well, two small pools. One of them had an underwater treadmill. So I actually got to use and be exposed to what that was as well so that's kind of how it how it started out for me not really understanding why are we using the water and not just swimming in it and then looking into research and what does research say we notice that our athletes are having fun and they're doing well and their range of motion work is a lot easier and they're becoming more flexible but we didn't necessarily understand the why we could just see how it was happening and what we were doing. And then with time, we dove into the research and actually figured out the protocols and whatnot to go with it. I love that you started off with that story and experience that you had because, like you said, just changing the environment. I mean, you are swimming and aquatic therapy is full body and you're, Mm -hmm. you're getting so many benefits from it, but it's not just going back into the clinic or your athletic training facility and doing the same band work and changing up the routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And you don't have to do it every day to feel the benefit, but sometimes it's fun to switch it up Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's needed. Maybe that's the only uh, location that they feel they can do their exercises, just like cryotherapy. I'm going to do my ankle exercises in 
a cold water bucket because it feels better that way. My range of motion's easier. My pain receptors are quieted down, mm-hmm. things like that. So sometimes it's the only place that it feels good to exercise. I mean, that kind of jumped into a little bit of it, but uh, what additional experience do you have with aquatic therapy? When I really learned the ins and outs of it, I was working at a PT clinic. So when I first moved back down to California after, uh, or Southern California after graduating, I took my high school position, but I was just there kind of part-time before I was teaching as well. So I teach in the high school um, too. So I worked part-time at a PT clinic and got the morning shift. And the morning shift was working in the pool. So six to nine, uh, two or three times a week in the pool. And I got to work with an awesome physical therapist that really explained what aquatic therapy was and the benefits of it and all the different clientele you could work with. And it wasn't just clinical, but it was prescription-based in the PT clinic. You have a physician that says, oh, I want you to go do therapy, but I want you to do aquatic therapy. It opened my mind to all the types of musculoskeletal and nerve-related conditions, all the different age groups that could benefit from it. And I realized that that with all my standing on sidelines and and in a classroom, it was also helping my body and joints <laughs> stay healthy doing it two times a week, every week for so many years. Do you always hop in the pool and, and do the aquatic therapy with your patients and athletes? When I was in the PT setting, I did. I always got in there uh, because I felt like a drill sergeant if I was on the edge of the pool just directing them. So I would get in the pool with them and I get to continue aquatic therapy with some of my high school students and it's very hit and miss if I am able to get in the pool with them or not. If it's a slow day on campus, then yeah, I'm going to get in and have some time. But if I have a radio attached to my hip because I have other things going on and, and the other end of campus, then I may not necessarily uh, get all the way in with them, but stay as close as I can so that they don't feel like I'm just directing them in one way and then the other like a puppet. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So I know that a lot of times athletic trainers are a little bit reluctant to use aquatic therapy because they feel either understaffed or um, they don't know too much about it. How do you recommend implementing this when an athletic trainer has such a busy schedule? Especially like you're at the high school and now that you have two athletic trainers at the high school, but with before when it was just you, how did you go about making time for aquatic therapy yeah it was it was tricky at times and and I wasn't able to do it with everyone that I hoped to do it with and a lot of times individuals could transfer what we were doing with band work uh, on land and be able to do it at home because they had a pool but uh, on slower days I would try to um, use that time wisely and aquatic therapy can be 10 minutes long it can be an hour long you really just work with the time that you have and and hope that your your student athletes eager to try something new 
uh, and and do it with you as well. Typically, trying to implement it, it's you try to find a balance. You still want to have a warm-up and a cool-down, just like a, a normal workout. You want to make sure they have water nearby um, because they can get dehydrated even quicker in the, the pool. I usually spend some time on flexibility. So if we think of, like, percentage, I try to do 5% of whatever that time is with warm-up and cool-down. 10, 15% of it with flexibility. I always like to do a little stabilization because proprioception is key. So even holding two fingers on the side of the edge and balancing and, you know, doing a, a pendulum kick or something to throw off your balance, just something to wake up stabilization so they're not a buoy moving around in the pool. I try to keep them in the shallow end as well. So they do engage their core and they're not just swimming. And then depending on kind of what the goals are, if it's just range of motion, then we're just doing range of motion for that. Once uh, sutures are healed up and the, I usually get on page with their doctor to make sure, Hey, can we just do range of motion in the water, in the pool? Um, Because many times doctors will say, no, don't get in the pool because they feel that they're, patients are just going to go swim Mm -hmm. and we don't want that unnecessary torque and uncontrolled motion on a knee or an ankle or an hip or something that they've been working on. So I I try to communicate with their um, doctors as well if they are post-surgical or something like that. Um, But then the the bulk of the time, 60 to 70% of that is working on resistance in the water. You have your constant resistance. You have your hydrostatic pressure like I talked about. You have your buoyancy from being immersed. And it helps cut off some of that weight-bearing effect on joints. If endurance is their goal, then we do a little endurance work within that uh, as well. But just trying to find some balance and not making them too too exhausted, but feel a workout. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when talking to the physician, have you has it been a lot of times where you have to educate the physician yourself about like, Hey, here's what I'm doing in the water. I'm not just having them swim around. Like, do you find that you have to do that more often than not? Sometimes over the years, I've been able to get to know a lot of our local docs. And because uh, the PT clinic I had worked at before is in connection with a lot of orthos, We were able to advocate for that a Mm -hmm. few years ago. We did a lot of marketing and education for it. Uh, So that helped. Um, But but yes, of course, if I'm talking to a physician and we're sharing the, uh, you know, update about PT and how's it going and, oh, they, a lot of times a student athlete that I have will stop PT because they ran out of visits but still need extra work so that's when I'll you just mention hey they can you know come into the athletic training room if you feel comfortable and communicate with the doc that way and sometimes if it's a slower time or or, um, there's wiggle room I let them know hey our pool is functioning and (laughs) this uh, and our coach is swim coach is usually pretty flexible with letting us use the shallow end. Can I, you know, work on some aquatic therapy? And I'll say that. I won't say, oh, can I get them in the pool? 
mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it doesn't sound formal enough. So, I, and I say, we're just going to do some range of motion. We're going to walk around. We're going to activate key muscles. We're going to work on their core and balance. And some of those key trigger words and without taking too much of their time, they're like, oh yeah, sure. You know what you're doing. You're good. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. So with that, do you have any favorite exercises that you use in the water? There's a lot of good stuff and it's, it's really just start basic. Uh, you get them used to the water. They uh, start by walking, especially after an injury. There's so much compensation that goes on and they don't realize they walk funny, but they do. So just start with walking, walk forwards, maybe the width of the pool and back. And that's kind of the warm up. And then turn and do side steps, slow and controlled, you know, making sure that they don't have valgus in their knees and whatnot. Sometimes I'll have them put their hands on their hips so they feel those hip muscles activate. And then walking backwards, making sure to have good, healthy gait patterns. Uh, If it's a knee, maybe we're working on uh, total extension. If it's an ankle, we're trying to get that good, healthy dorsiflexion. And then as they get comfortable with that, progress to, you know, marching. Now they're on one foot for a little bit and have to balance. It's, it's fun when the swim team is in the pool too, because we get extra waves and they have to work their core a little bit more. Um, but just moving slow and controlled, using then water's natural resistance, knowing that the deeper someone goes, the more buoyant they become. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, lower extremity and core. If upper extremity is the target, you can simply sit on a step, you know, one of the kind of deep end steps or at the bottom of the step um, going into the pool and do basic range of motion, do angels, do, you know, external, internal rotation. And they'll start to feel that, that workout. The resistance is consistent, unlike the progressive resistance of a band, like I touched back at the beginning. There's a lot of aquatic therapy tools that, you know, a PT clinic would have. There's paddles, there's foam bars. They look like weights, Mm -hmm. um, but they're made out of foam. There's hand webs. There's different belts that can be worn to increase buoyancy or weights, wrist weights to make you use arms more. And then the, the, big kickers, the underwater bikes and treadmills. Um, But as long as you have a pool noodle and, you know, a kickboard, you can get a lot done with that as well. So it's very versatile. You just want to, like anything else, start slow and controlled and watch their motion and see them have some fun with it. Yeah. And I was going to say, that seems like just how athletic training is. You you just got to find a way to get the job done. You know, they have all these fancy tools for other places, but um, sometimes you just got to work with what you got. Yeah. And most of the time they prefer the pool noodle anyways. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's familiar to them, right? Yeah. It brings back the idea of fun. <laughs> yeah. We're just playing in the pool, but we're also strengthening. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I know you touched upon using aquatic therapy post-operatively after talking with a physician, but do you find that there are any other conditions that you find aquatic therapy to help? Yeah, that, what really opened my eyes to it was 
the physical therapist that taught me more about it and doing my own research because normally I was used to just seeing it as um, post-op or post-injury care. You got to strengthen the nearby uh, areas, but um, the Aquatic Therapy Research Institute has a nice list of a bunch of indicators for it. You know, even if someone needs to relax, doing aquatic therapy uh, can help. Um, They need to increase their circulation. They need a little bit of respiratory cardiotherapy, but they aren't up for being on a bike or a treadmill. Um, Someone with, you know, limited range of motion because they uh, were afraid to move or stuck in a position for a long time. Bone density as well. It is changed gravity working in water, but it does put good stresses on the joints and disc degeneration, disc herniation, definitely uh, appreciate that little bit of lift off of the spine. Mm -hmm. I had never known anyone with rheumatoid arthritis uh, or chronic pain issues before working at the PT clinic. And this was their happy place. They would come and the pool was the place where they could move again and not feel pent up and not feel restricted. And it was, it was wonderful to see that and learn about that. I remember we had some ALS patients who were not uh, too far into the, the ailment, but they were trying to maintain the strength that they had. And they were so thankful for the support that the water gave them because they would be afraid to trip and fall Mm. just walking down, you know, a hallway type thing. And, and they, they really appreciated uh, that and upper extremity, you know, injuries can appreciate that as well. uh, As long as, you know, there's no surgical incisions or, or big wounds or, or anything. I remember we had this, a geriatric patient and she was so tentative to get into the water she would bring her walker and and she's like no I I can't do the stairs so I would do the stairs with her there were four stairs into the shallow end it was nice and easy but I would do that with her and then she'd start walking around the pool like she owned the place. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) She got her confidence back so much. I remember the second, the second visit she came in, she didn't bring her walker. She's like, Nope, I'm good. Like (laughs) I'm strong now. (laughs) That's so cool. It gives a new challenge to gravity. Yes. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I know you kind of broke down your, uh, like what you like to do as far as your routine in the pool. Um, in a perfect world, how long would you like to spend in the water? Uh, usually 20 minutes is good. Okay. You, you can get a lot out of 20 minutes. And same as, you know, anything, if you're doing it too long, you get bored. Mm-hmm. So you usually 20 minutes is good. You get, you know, three minutes or so to warm up, three minutes at the end to cool down and do some proprioception and then a good, you know, 15 minutes of a, uh, workout and they're feeling the, the progress. So it's cool. 
Nice. That's awesome. 20 minutes sounds pretty simple to implement too. It's not Mm -hmm. like you have to take a big chunk out of your day or you can even schedule that ahead of time. So, you know, um, when you can have people in the pool and, and making sure that they have time for it. Yeah. Yeah. And if it's, I've convinced some coaches before to, hey, do 20 minutes in the pool with your athletes, you know, preseason training, or they're kind of having an off day, and they need a little bit of a switch with their conditioning. And usually a coach is okay with 20 minutes of their (laughs) practice, you know, being they're gonna have five minutes, 10 minutes for uh, in and out, but it's usually something that is going to benefit everybody. And it's a quick intervention. Oh yeah, for sure. How, um, how was going about that talking to coaches? Cause you know, there's always some coaches that are like, Oh, well, no, that's not our sport. You know, I want to do things that are exactly our sport. How did it go about educating and convincing certain coaches? Like you can, you can do some water stuff like this. This will be beneficial for them. Yeah. Usually I just mention all of their knee and ankle injuries and how weak <laughs> that their cores are, hey, don't you notice that when you're doing core workouts with your athletes that they're crying after two minutes, then <laughs> don't you realize that halfway through practice, they're all falling over like they're clumsy because their ankles and knees aren't, mm-hmm. you know, conditioned for all this? Or, hey, do you see how many of them grab ice after practice for their knees? How about we uh, get them in the pool for 15 minutes and and help with some of this <laughs> so sometimes it's a conversation like that mm-hmm. if it's a coach that you're comfortable with and and can have conversation um a lot of times it's just a reminder of uh temperature like oh, it's re- getting really warm in the gym uh, at this period of the day and you have to have longer water breaks or they're an outdoor sport and you know hey Wednesday it looks like it's really going to heat up have you considered um, jumping in the pool for a little bit and it really helps with their core temperature our football team's been doing it for years they do it every summer Um, they have workouts in the pool and our volleyball team has uh, as well in the college setting when I was doing graduate work I had a um, interesting coach that was was very, very in tune with his plan and um, not as flexible to hear. But he saw me working in the pool with an athlete. And it wasn't his athlete, but he noticed some of the things we were doing. And I had spoken to the assistant coach before to to say during their indoor practice hey let's uh let's get them in the pool because they're not used to the hard floor but he wasn't for it and then he saw us working in the pool and it was like an aha moment for him oh this isn't just fun this is work I want my athletes to work (laughs) and of course the team loved it they loved being in the pool and doing exercises that was good for them instead of playing indoor soccer on a hard surface uh, when they're used to grass and cleats. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it's just showing by example um, how beneficial it can be. Have you ever had any patients who didn't like the water or were afraid of the water? 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're one of them. I'm one of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. I usually, they, um, I get them, obviously, I do most work in the shallow ends, but I let them be on the side of the pool. I say, hold on to the side. Uh, even my neighbor, I've done aquatic therapy with her, and she can't swim. And she has a pool and everything, but she doesn't feel comfortable. So I said, well, I'm going to be on one side of you walking and you have the side of the pool to hold on to with the other. You can hold on to a pool noodle if you want. And we're just waking up the legs a little different. You know, we're waking up the core and then they get more comfortable with time. Um, Or you show them that when they are getting away from the, the wall, well, we're going the width of the pool. We're just going there and back. You know, and they can see that. They can see their goal. They can visualize it. And the first rep might be a little slow and tentative and wobbling, but you're right there with them. And just like any fear, you know, that someone has, they can gradually overcome it with that positive reinforcement and seeing that, oh, I can do this. And they gain that confidence from it, just as as Sandra wasn't confident to paddleboard before and we we got her comfortable well paddleboarding in the ocean <laughs> yeah but uh, we were shallow enough you could see the the bottom of the ocean so it was that helped hopefully with with confidence and security i felt like sandra was in safe hands anyways <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and with that story, for, for other people who don't know, we were traveling, and um, our team was playing in Hawaii. Yes, high school in Hawaii. That That's interesting, but it was months of uh, fundraising and planning. And uh, but that, not to mention, it was my very first week of my clinical rotation so, ever. So a lot of jealous <laughs> classmates, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was good. Uh, but you have to, when you're working, you have to find some balance. You still mm-hmm. have to exercise. You have to work on your own stress. And, and our workout for the day was to um, paddleboard to a little small island, you know, less than a mile away. It was, uh, it was probably only like a football field away, honestly, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, just there and back. And, and so I could show you the end goal. You could see it. <laughs> that was part of it. And there weren't any uh, ships going by with crazy waves. And and it was gorgeous water in Hawaii. So you could see the base. <laughs> yeah, I saw I saw pictures from that trip. That that definitely looked like a lot of fun. It was gorgeous. It was definitely worth it. Yeah, yeah. It was it was good. You didn't even look afraid. <laughs> now, if I fell in, that would be another story. I think another thing from that trip that was now that you're, we're talking about aquatic therapy and something that I didn't really think about before was like you were saying how coaches can use aquatic therapy or just aquatic workouts to kind of change up routine. Mm -hmm. Um, When we went on that trip, I remember the team had just fun time in the ocean where they would go out and, Actually, a lot of them ended up going on the ocean touching the coral. So we we ended up having to tape all of their fingers from all the cuts. Yeah. 
but they were doing some uh, strengthening and some cross training in the water. So yeah, they would come back and tell us how tiring it was for them to snorkel and to maintain their floating, you know, capability and keep their feet off the floor. It was a workout for them and Mm -hmm. they had no idea until afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So these ones are kind of wrap up. What would you recommend for a clinician looking to learn more about aquatic therapy? I know you learned it from a PT clinic and you got to dive a little bit further into that once you got interested. So what would you recommend to some others? I just say, try it out. Um, You can research only goes so far. You can read about something for, you know, for over and over. Oh, I read 10 articles on aquatic therapy. You'd, gotta get into a body of water and try out basic movement patterns uh try it at various depths try it with your hands open versus your hands closed Uh, if you know you can't get into a pool find a spa don't you know make it super hot but sit in the spa do arm exercises stand in the middle do hip movements Mm. um even you know my mother-in-law she gets into the spa and does her workouts uh, that I've given her over the years and it you know that is the first step just see how it feels get your feet wet literally and and see how you can move your joints mm-hmm. and how you instantly become more flexible um, and how that buoyancy can be thrown off if someone is creating waves to the side of you and now you have to activate your core uh, and the next thing is, if you know that there's a, you know, a AT clinic or PT clinic that has aquatic therapy tools or capabilities, try to shadow in it. Try to sit and be that fly on the wall like I did at the very beginning and absorb what it is. Um, you don't have to necessarily be in a, a job utilizing it. You can shadow. And many times these individuals will like having the extra help because it's someone else hovering and being involved in that patient care and having that one-on-one so that there's even more patient satisfaction or if they're a little bit more fearful um, as well. If anyone has access to some of those online exercise card programs, like VHI is one that we used a lot, you just thumb through, Mm. shuffle through all the exercises there. And you're like, oh, these are all things that I do with bands or I do with lightweights or ankle weights or, you know, a body blade. Well, you can do that in the water. And it's it's fun. It's a good variety. So just jump in. Try it. Nice. That's awesome. Um, uh, this next question is uh, one of Sandra's favorites. You know, we're looking for apple knowledge here. We um, want people to be able to walk away from this. I mean, you've said so much that I can already walk away with and start trying things with my patients but if you could just tie it up what's one thing that our listeners can go and try today Hmm. so I see all the time with patients a concept called kinesiophobia you know fear of movement or fear of movement that creates pain Mm -hmm. all the time and if you see someone sitting in the pool, sitting in a spot, they don't look fearful majority of the time. So think, kind of think of that. Is 
if you can tie in something enjoyable to most people, you know, and you can use that in their therapy, they will obviously know that they are doing something good because they're with you and it's a visit or whatever. But if you can make that experience more enjoyable for them or give them something that they can use for the rest of their life, then isn't that kind of why we're here in the first place? You know, you, this is a tool that anybody can use and you don't have to go through aquatic therapy training to get certified per se um, to know some basic things. Even let's say someone is a swimmer. And they say, well, I'm in the pool all the time. Well, do you swim in the pool or do you walk in the pool? Mm -hmm. Do you move your arms around like a swimmer or do you move them around like you're doing PNF patterns, like you're putting a sword away and dragging it out (laughs) and they are activating muscles differently. So I think that'd be my takeaway. If you, with all the tools that we have, all of the, uh, you know, um, what did you call it in the beginning? The the spirit animal, mm-hmm. if you will. We have all these incredible tools. Well, a lot of campuses have a water. So mm-hmm. why not try out something that's natural in our environment and make the best out of it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, you don't know until you try it. Yeah. And it can yeah. expand our rehab and prehab even so vastly mm-hmm. and, I, mm-hmm. and I definitely like that kinesiophobia aspect because I think that is getting a lot more attention now teaching people that if you go through a movement that was once painful that's not painful anymore that that can be a, a huge gain yeah you can regain that range of motion and the confidence in a movement that was awesome Haley that, that was perfect that's what we wanted so much good information and I think not enough people implement aquatic therapy so this hopefully will if people realize that aquatic therapy is not as scary as it sounds and it's just taking what you already know and putting it in the water and getting a broader more um, full body experience yeah. yeah yeah and it can be it can be from your knees down. It can be your hips. It could be someone laying on their belly with their arm in the water. Mm. A lot of pitchers do that instead of having their whole body in there. Okay, I'm going to do my aquatic therapy, but I'm going to lay here and with my arm in the water, do my exercises because once again, it's a consistent resistance and it helps with any swelling that they have. Mm. You know, it helps with circulation. You don't have to get in the water to really make a difference on a joint or a body part. I never even thought about that. So I'm glad you brought that up because um, you're right. You don't have to use your, your full body. You could just do an arm or a leg and you're, mm-hmm. you're still getting some really good effects. Exactly. You can sit on the edge if you're working on your ankle or you're working on arch problems. Just have your feet dangling in the water and doing exercises. You don't have to get all the way in. Well, thank you, Haley. Yes, thank you, Haley. We appreciate it. We've learned so much about aquatic therapy today. Ah, thanks. I enjoyed talking to you guys and supporting your new podcast. Yeah. Yes, thank you. I'm so glad we were able to interview Haley and hopefully make aquatic therapy a little bit less scary for those clinicians who want to get their hands wet.
That was pretty good. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, seriously, um, I thought that was uh, an awesome interview, um, hearing how she's used aquatic therapy throughout her career and seen the benefits from it, even being able to apply it in a setting where most people wouldn't think like, oh, I don't have time to do this. You know, she's able to apply it. So I thought that was a valuable resource to hear. So if you have any more questions or if you just want to head over to our AT community, our Facebook group is a perfect place where you can add your comments. We love interaction. You know, let's, let's get the conversation going. Don't forget to share, rate, review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode. We hope you enjoyed our interview today. Until next week. Bye.